Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Welcome to the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosports, the home of cycling. Today I'm joined by GCN Eurosports' Dan Lloyd. Thank you, Dan, for staying around to do this. My pleasure. A day of uh, a lot of head-scratching, um, some great racing, a great stage win in the Volta, Sam Bennett. Um, a good finish to the Giro, breakaway made it to the finish, but obviously um, marred by all the incidents at the start today. It was, yes. Actually, maybe we should start by talking about the stage winner, because I feel a bit sorry for yeah. Joseph Cherney, yeah. because he pulled out a really good ride today, you know. Any ride to take a stage win at a Grand Tour is exceptional. Yeah, and a big win for CCC in their last year. They're folding the course next year. I feel sorry for him, as I said, because there was so much that happened before the stage that we're continuing to talk about after the stage. Mm. Uh, Like you said, just before we start recording, it'll be forgotten tomorrow, but so too, in some ways, will his stage win. But yeah, remarkable ride that he did to ride away from the from the power of the rides that were behind him. Yes, the long and short of it was a 250-kilometre stage which was forecast to be raining last night before the stage. And the understanding is that some of the teams or riders, individuals, collectively got together um, and approached RCS, the race organisers, in order to potentially reduce the distance of the stage. They're denying that that happened, RCS, we have to say. Um, And then events started this morning with riders not going to the start line. Um, and choosing to stay in the buses. Eventually, when they did, they rolled out the eight kilometres in the neutralised zone. And then that's when the sort of mass confusion started, wasn't it, as far as I'm aware? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm still confused now, to be honest. We heard so many different rumours and hearsay, like you always do on these things this morning. Initially, we felt, uh, from what we heard, like all the rides were together on this. And then subsequently, we found out that actually they weren't. Uh, but enough of them were together on it that they did shorten the stage. The longest one became the shortest one today. Uh, they said it was down to weather, uh, down to the distance, the brutality of the final week of the Giro. But we all knew what was coming this week, didn't mm. we? And, you know, we've spoken about it a lot already today, both on air and off air. And I think our views as riders would have been different to what they are now because you, you, know, you learn so much more when you finish cycling yeah. about the whole circus that goes around it rather than just the riders yeah. and, the, and the race itself. And it's just a very, very late decision to be made, really. I mean, if it was snowing, there's more of a discussion to be made. But at the end of the day, when we saw the racing happen, lots of the rides in that breakaway, they're in shorts and short sleeves. It wasn't that cold. It was just a long day in the saddle after another couple of long days before it. Um, let's get a view from one of the riders, James Knox from Kearney Quickstep. Eurosports All of Shinnawi um, caught up with him earlier. So James, we were expecting a bit of a quiet day after all the excitement yesterday. We didn't quite get that, at least before the stage got underway anyway. Tell us about how this protest came about and, and any of your role in it or awareness of it at the time. There was a little bit of whispers about it last night. Long before the Giro was a uh... It's a bit of an unnecessary day. I think every rider, ex-rider, even a fan could see the 260k on the flat between five and a half thousand meter mountain days is a bit, should we say, unnecessary. And then, yeah, um, come to the start today in the rain, everyone tired, spent more time yesterday on the bike than in bed. And yeah, we were just huddled under a tent as far as I could see. 
waiting to start. And then uh, when we were supposed to go to the start, it, yeah, no one was really in the mood to go. Started kicking up a, a fuss, basically. And then a few of the senior riders, more politically involved riders, went and talked to the organization, basically explained the, the feelings of the riders that hadn't really been listening to. And, you know, we wanted, we did, this is not what we wanted, to, you know, to be treated like this day after day after day and seven hours on the bike, seven hours on the bike. And yeah, another long day. So in the end, the race was shortened. So do you know if any of these concerns are brought up before today? Because the race organiser, Maro Venue, has, has said that, you know, it's it's not the time to do it on the day of racing. Do you know if they were brought up before and maybe just not listened to before or, or what happened in advance? Um, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not too involved. I can't tell you too much. Um, it was definitely mentioned before because I've heard about it prior to the, I've heard it prior, about it prior to today. So certainly it was on the radar of people who are a lot more involved than I am. So that, at least I can tell you that. I don't know. Do you think it was the right decision then? Um, uh, well, for my opinion, uh, as a rider, uh, and even as a fan, I'm going to put it on both perspectives. As a rider, um, the riders had a shorter day. I don't think it would change the outcome. In fact, it probably made the race more exciting because in the end, if we'd raced 260 kilometers, I don't think anyone had been interested. I don't think anyone would have been excited. We would have just rolled around for hours and hours and hours just collectively uh, whilst we had an all-out race um, instead. Uh, full gas from the start, breakaway went, brick chase. And I'd like to think uh, it was exciting viewing with a, a strong breakaway up ahead. And then on top of that, having a little bit of an easier day in the bunch means that tomorrow will probably also be more exciting as well. So, I, I you know, I can't help but think that uh, the fans are winning on both sides here. So for, for such a an idea that, you know, we've the race has been disrespected, all this and that. I think, I think in the end, this is better for everyone, just from my point of view. So from inside the race, James, paint us a picture, if you will. Just tell us how difficult this Giro d'Italia has been and why. I mean, I don't have a huge amount of experience, so I've only finished one Grand Tour, but speaking to some of the older guys, you know, it has been a really hard Giro. Um, it's very late in the year, a lot of people didn't really stop in during the lockdown corona time and anticipated maybe been back racing straight away this has created a bit of a strange scenario where guys have kept going and going and going and here we are until almost november um so that's one thing and then the race itself uh we started we started all out and then with with what happened with positive cases what's happened with um talk of cancellation of snow on the, the final mountains i think there's been this an anticipation every day could be last day last opportunity you've got guys without teams teams collapsing um and it's basically just got harder and harder and harder and we've had this brutal final week to finish off with just consecutively long hard days um and everyone's just on the limit you know the top guys are doing what they can um and then if you look around in the in the bunch i think no one's got much more to give so i think if you want an exciting race you've got all i've got you know need to have riders with some legs left James, we're now two days from the finish. Just two more days of racing left. You've had such an intense race on your team more than any other team, I would, I would imagine. Um, what are you expecting and what are you looking out for in the last two days of racing? Yeah, I mean, certainly our race has been predominantly about Joao. Um, and his amazing ride, keeping the pink jersey for, I think, 15 days. And all of us collectively trying to support him. Uh, yesterday, it fell apart a little bit. 
you know, he's still in fifth. It's still an amazing ride. First brand. So we want to help him. We want to support him, still finish that off the best we can, whether that means staying in fifth or moving up a bit. And I guess from my own perspective, finishing on a bit of a high, you know, I sort of collapsed a bit yesterday. I was hoping to, to be able to stay there, but maybe the effort the last two and a half weeks catching up with me. And so, yeah, just to, just to get out there, last big day in the mountains, see what's left. Brilliant. Well, best of luck with it, James. Thanks for taking the time to talk. Rest up. Yeah. No, no, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, different view there from James. Obviously, more defending the stance of the riders, really, and, and trying to put a case forward that the race would, down the line, if we had shorter stage, it would probably be make for more exciting racing. But obviously, that's a completely separate discussion. But I think, James, I picked up there more than anything, is um, lots of riders weren't really involved in this and have kind of got grouped into that as this was a, a mass decision by the peloton and i think the understanding is lots of riders did actually want to race it feels that way doesn't it like mm. more we've heard i think we're going to hear from rod ellingworth later he didn't know anything about it until the riders radioed from the start line to say i think we might not be starting the stage from here but further down the road I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people involved in the Grand Tour, aren't there? Yeah. Just within the riders and the teams. When you've got eight riders per team, all of the staff and personnel, and it's very difficult to get everybody with the same opinion pushing for the same thing. We felt like that, that was the case, but I don't know. I, it felt like Vincenzo Nibali didn't even know exactly what was going on. You know, James Knox is not a spokesman for the sport. You know, nobody gets into the sport to become a spokesman or spokeswoman for it. Some people have got stronger personalities and they can become that person through results and through their personality. He was just caught up in it. I know he was very tired and he would have been quite thankful for the fact that the stage was shortened. And as you said, he made the point that the stage was probably more exciting because of the shortening. I'd agree with that. But like you said, it's not really the point at this point in time. You also said tomorrow's might be more exciting as well, which it may be. We don't know yet. You know, there might be some fresher legs to go on the attack. But on the other side of the coin, as Maravenu said afterwards, 253 k's uh, of flat in the legs today might have led to more fatigue tomorrow. Yeah. So although we wouldn't have got maybe more attacking tomorrow with the 253 k stage, we might have got somebody dropped that might be able to keep up tomorrow. Yeah, and unfortunately, I think the riders put Adam Hansen forward as the spokesman on Twitter. And I think his argument probably contradicts the whole affair with Jonathan Vouter's letter um, just over a week ago, where if that's the case with the immune systems being low and this, that and the other with a pandemic, then maybe they should have followed JV and been more bit unified on that, whereas JV almost got laughed off by the rest of the peloton because based on the, the reason that the riders gave today or were put to Adam Hansen to give, then if that's a cause and a concern, then maybe they should have stopped the race last Sunday. So it kind of contradicts, that just shows how ununified the peloton really is yeah and i i think almost to have that unity you need to have a rider that has both the huge results and also the huge personality you know we've seen it a few times over the years we call them the patrons don't we the, the likes of bernardino mario cipollini lance armstrong whatever you say about him he had both the results and the personality to yeah. back it up and lots of rides would follow you know if, if mario cipollini said something in the peloton people would either be too afraid to contradict it or they'd just then say, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And everybody would go forward in the united front. We don't really have that now. We've got riders that have got strong personality, but perhaps not the results to back it up or vice versa. There's people yeah. with huge results that haven't, you know, in this day and age, matured enough to have that personality and that strength of mind to give a, a strong opinion. Well, David Miller went for the role, didn't he? Of CPA uh, leader, yeah. But that, and I think he'd have been quite good at it. 
I'm sure he would have done, yeah. seen both sides of the fence in both arguments. Well, I mean, the CPA is a whole other subject as well, isn't it? You know, at the moment, Gianni Bugno, as he has been for years, is the head of that, but he's also working on the Giro for Rye Television, who are the yeah. host broadcasters, which yes, has, in itself feels like interests. a bit of a conflict. Yeah. yeah. Well, without repeating what I said earlier, because it was quite a waffle, um, I gave my view on it, which apparently people want to hear. So here's what I said earlier on the subject. And I'm joined in the commentary box right now by Brad Wiggins. Very good afternoon. Good afternoon, Rob. How are we? Yeah, good, good. Just trying to um, follow events of this morning. I don't think it's been quite a um, difficult for everybody involved, isn't it? Just in terms of what, what's trying to find out what's actually happening. Yeah, we've seen what's happened in the end. We started off with 124 Ks from the finish line after all that sort of pantomime at the start where everybody got in the buses and what have you. I know there's a lot of takes on this, but from inside the peloton, from a man who's done the job, you've ridden in good conditions, bad conditions. You know what the politics are like when the rider unions get talking, the organisers side. What's your view on events? Well, the whole thing is just a shambles. And I think um, everyone sort of ends up looking pretty stupid. You know, obviously I'm talking from the perspective of now as a, as a person sat here you know, four or five years into retirement. Let's me be clear, you know, back in back when I was a rider, you know, I would have been the first to not want to race this morning in the rain. So, you know, it's, um, I must say that. But from the other side of the fence now sitting watching, I realise just how much of a privilege it is to be a professional cyclist. The riders are very fortunate and deserve it in terms of the amount of money they get paid these days. And also the current climate around the world at the moment, um, cycling is very romantic and it's also a passion and escapism for a lot of people from the, the, the strain and pressure of daily life and you know I think riders really I realize now do have a, a um, responsibility to to ride and that's why they're elite cyclists because it's doing something that normal people perceive themselves not to be able to do something of this magnitude in life and it's because of the hardness is because of how difficult and how many challenges you have to overcome in a three-week race and you know we have to just go back to the famous the Garvia stages of Andy Hampston um, Aldo Moser going over the Garvia carrying his bike over a snowdrift the exploits of Charlie Gould that's what makes the Giro d'Italia so special and so romantic and such a historic race it's part of Italy it's part of the fabric of Italy and the riders to protest the way they did yeah but no unity as usual no one seems to know what's going on you've got the race director threatened some sort of threat you know someone's going to pay for this on Sunday the whole thing is a shambles and the only ones who end up losing out are the general public and the viewers who watch these races but I can see everybody's point the riders point you know they won't want to ride in the rain for 250 do we need 253 kilometer stages the day after a Stelvio stage the, the race organizers are happy to cut a day like tomorrow down which impacts on whether someone like Teo could attack and win the race having dropped Kelderman yesterday but we we, we don't want to cut this, but we're happy to cut the toughest stage where someone else could impact on the race. So there's a contradiction and there's a hypocrisy across the board. You know, broadcasters, rescheduling TV um, times for start, start villages, people that would shut their businesses for the day, schools that would have come out to watch the race. The whole thing is just a shambles. The, only one look, the riders end up looking, you know, angry towards the riders, director, sportifs, you know, team managers as usual, half of them aren't competent enough to manage teams. And the whole thing is just a shambles. And it just shows the lack of unity, the lack of organisation, the lack of power and speech that the riders have as a group. You know, they talk about unions and stuff. They don't operate as a union. It's just a, you know, a 
can we say willy waving contest on here? Probably can, but um, it's just the whole thing anyway. So that's my view on it for what it's worth. Again, I think on here as well. And on, to add to that, uh, sorry, Rob, just to add to that, God, it's, please, you please. Know, to ride your bike for 250 kilometres for six hours, if it's in the rain or not, it's a little bit disproportionate to what some people have to go out and do in the world, i.e. frontline in the army, working in the NHS, in the current climate, and it, that's why I see this as a privilege. And lots of people sat in offices that ride their bikes at the weekend for passion and love of the sport. It's why people fall in love with the sport, because of the exploits of what these riders have to go. And I'll tell you now, how many people would love to be this? It's not even raining anymore, by the way. Would love to be out there doing 250 kilometers all day on their bike rather than sat behind a desk or, in some cases, people not even working at this stage because of the current climate in the world. That's it. Goodbye. That's my last, last hurrah on Eurosport. Goodbye. <laughs> no, because I want to ask a follow-up to that. No, I'm joking. Um, it, it, it's difficult to get the message across, isn't it? Um, to, to a, as you say, a normal person doing a, a, a let's say, a proper job, a, yeah. a nine to five in the office, or you know, I, I think I, t I said to you earlier on this morning, I was having a conversation with my mum, who's um, an NHS nurse earlier on today, and she was asking about work. I was asking about yeah. nurses. What's happening at the tour? I said, Oh, the riders are on strike. Why? Well, you know, it's a long day riding. You know, conditions aren't great. She says, Well, is that not their job? And again, I can understand, I can completely understand the riders' point of view. And, and we've sat here over the last two or three months and really tried to give the riders' union a platform because there's been some really dangerous moments, haven't there? There's, there's been some parkour, there's been some routes that have not been acceptable. And I really want them to stand up for themselves. As you said, maybe more unified and in a better, stronger union. And we talked about this already, haven't we, for the last two months or so. But today just seemed like a huge PR setback in that, in those terms, because... You know, if there was a real problem about today, and you can understand what Guarnieri's saying, well, four, four hours on the coach, we're getting up before it gets light, we're get going to bed after it goes dark, we're absolutely tired out, this has been the hardest grand tour, blah, blah, blah. I completely get it. I'm sitting in a really nice, comfy commentary box and talking and watching and really enjoying it every day. But if, we, if, if, we, if they want to sort of take us with them in these really important moments when there's a dangerous descent and we don't want it in the race or there's stuff on the road that's going to make it too dangerous and people's lives are going to be at risk. It's a bit like the boy who cried wolf on a day like today, turning up at the last minute and not having these conversations maybe a week or two weeks before when, you know, you could have spotted the problem. Everybody's got a route book when they turn up, haven't they? they said, oh, that's a long day. What are we doing there? And why are we having this stage? And it just seems like a strange time and a strange moment to have that conversation. Yeah. Well, you know, just from the simple view that we're lucky to have a Giro d'Italia this year. Um, and from that respect, you know, make the most of it because, you know, I might not be, we've seen what it's like when there's no racing. Um, and to add to that as well, you know, they made more of a stand today, more of a, more of a protest today than they did for Kevin Ratzer and the stand against racism at the Tour de France. Yes. That's all I'll say on it. Really, really good point. And off the back of that, this is what Barre McLaren's Rod Ellingworth, who's the team principal, said on the subject. Rod, just talk us through what happened this morning. What was the order of things from your perspective? Um, well, we, we were totally unaware of it until um, it sort of came over on the race radio from the riders saying that there was some sort of strike. So we weren't consulted at all as a team prior to the start. Um, so, yeah, we, obviously... The race had actually started or, or we were in the neutralised zone um, when we heard. So we pretty quickly called the bus back and we followed the race uh, in the bus for 
and, and until kilometer zero really and then then everything sort of stopped and riders were going everywhere so a little bit confusing yeah so you weren't consulted about the protest and Peo Bilbao is challenging for podium how do you feel about the fact that it's happened well I, I think there's you know there's quite a few facts uh, to look at really I mean you know um, the guys have had quite a hard few days you know um, obviously back to back 200 plus Ks I, I think also you know you just look at this year uh, it's you know it's quite a challenge and also you know we we've been leaving the hotel really early in the morning like this morning was seven o'clock pitch black last night we got back at 7 30 quarter to eight pitch black you know so I think everybody feels quite fatigued with it all um, but you know as a team you know the only way we're gonna um, uh, beat the Sunweb guys is, is through the, the the younger guys sort of being really fatigued in the race and having another 250 k's in the legs potentially could have helped for tomorrow but you know it, it is what it is the guys were all in pretty good spirits they've gone out there again ready to race again so we shall see so if you had been consulted what do you think he would have said well obviously it's easy for me sat on the bus with you know, when, when I'm not in the rain and, and I'm, I'm not facing 250s, 260Ks of racing. But, you know, I think um, from what I could tell from our riders, they were happy to race. They, they were, you know, they weren't, none of them were complaining. I, I don't think any of them were particularly looking forward to the to the stage, but they weren't complaining. And we talked about, uh, you know, wearing these guys down. We know that Peo is coming out the tour and his level is is staying the same you know he do, he's he's not feeling very fresh as such but he's his level of climbing is staying the same so um you know it was about wearing the other guys down and an hour of goal really in a way was hoping that the younger riders uh so hindley and teo and these guys would potentially have a bad day and that could happen tomorrow so it is what it is yeah we'll we'll, we'll take it on well, you've given us plenty to talk about anyway, Rod, as if we didn't have enough already. Best of luck for today yeah. and for the rest of the race. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. So as you can see, quite opposing views on everyone there and just goes to show the uh, level of confusion that it caused today. On to the Vuelta Espana and another Irish victory. Sam Bennett winning, I would say one comfortably, but impressively. He did, yeah. No, it wasn't comfortable because he had to come from a long way back after a gap opened up to Jasper Philipsen through that last corner. But the way he did it makes you feel like future sprints at the Vuelta might be quite comfortable. Yeah. His whole demeanour's changed for me. Just he he he's backs himself now. He's he's it feels like he's proved his point and that confidence and he's now got a team that believe in him. He's kind of achieved what he's always kind of believed he could. He was obviously battling last year at Bora Hansgrove with just selection issues and things like that. And now he's, um, it looks like he's just got a free road ahead and he's, uh, I wouldn't say he's winning for fun, but he's certainly the fastest man in the world or, or one of them. Yeah, definitely one of them, if not the fastest, like you said. He's interesting as a sprinter, isn't he? In that, in that we always see sprinters as being, you know, not perhaps arrogant, some of them are, but quite forthright in their personality. They have to run on that confidence and that um, thinking that they're going to win. I always remember that um, interview you did at the end of the tour after the Champs-Élysées yeah. where he said something, he said, I hope I'm not coming across as arrogant. And when we re-ran it, because I couldn't remember what he'd said before, 
you know, it's the least arrogant thing I think I've ever heard. But, yeah. you know, as a sprinter, that's quite unusual that he's concerned that people might think that he's arrogant. But, you know, in that team that he's in at the moment, I can see him winning an enormous number of races over the next couple Absolutely. of years because he's coming of age. You know, he's matured quite late in some respects as a sprinter. But now when you see his name on the start list of any race, uh, he's pretty much the top favourite to win it on a flat day, isn't he? So we're going now into what would have been the second week of the Vuelta, but obviously... Um, it's been reduced, so they've only done a couple of days. And we're now going into the final weekend of the Giro, which was due to be the massive showdown with the Sestria climb, the famous Sestria climb, and the top three separated by 15 seconds. And with the time trial on Sunday, reduced stage tomorrow. Do you see much changing? I think there's still the potential for it. You know, I think if we were, had 15 seconds between the top three and we had the uh, original stage, stage tomorrow yeah. with the Colo dell'Agnello, uh, the Col d'Isoire, another one, then Sestriere, it, it would have been, it yeah. been a huge stage and, and a huge shake-up on GC again. But given that it's so close, I think we could still see a change on the GC. And there's yeah. no doubt that Ineos are going to try something. Um, you know, I think they're pretty safe in their podium so they can afford to gamble to a degree in going all out. And, and we've seen how good yeah. Roman Dennis is. We've seen how good Ben Swift has been. I mean, he's been hovering around the top 20 Absolutely. on GC. Yeah. Filippo Ganna. I mean, on a climb like Sestriere, you know what Ganna's power is like. It's yeah. sort of 7% average. It's just his type of thing, isn't it? Yeah, really... well, him and Rowan Dennis on the front. Yeah, <laughs> um, I wouldn't want to be behind them. Well, I wouldn't yeah. be behind them. I'd be some way yeah. down. But, you know, imagine the power that they're going to put through the pedals tomorrow when, when they want to set tail up for an attack. Well, we're due for a, a great weekend's racing. Um, thank you to Dan Lloyd once again. For Thanks for having us. me. Sorry, always a pleasure. And thank you for listening, everybody. It's been a pleasure again to be able to give our opinions to you lot. So thank you. And um, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in. It's going to be a great weekend.